everybody, this is John Parrott. And before I get to my conversation with Sarah Litton, I wanted to remind everyone about the Parenting Today podcast. Kurt Cooper and I have two guests on uh, this week talking about a book called Gender, a Conversation Guide for Parents and Pastors. So I encourage you to check that out. Also be sure to swing by our resource tab and check out our ministry tools. There's a lot of good stuff there for parents, youth workers, and students. Here's my conversation with Sarah. Hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. Uh, today we'll be talking to Sarah Litton. Sarah, how's it going? Good, how are you doing? Doing well, doing well. And uh, just, uh, I guess, maybe a warning to everybody who's listening. We might have some little children that run in because Sarah was very gracious to uh, record this podcast while trying to babysit at the same time. Um, so, Sarah, thanks again for just making an effort to do this. Looking forward to uh, talking with you. Um, those who listen to the podcast regularly know that this third season we're focusing on people's stories. Um, we've had guest people on as well. If you checked out last week, you know, Justin Holcomb was on and that was a very helpful ex episode talking about sexual abuse, very helpful for youth workers as well as parents. So go back and check that out if you missed it. Um, but uh, today we'll be focusing on Sarah's story and we just want to hear how the Lord brought Sarah to a saving knowledge of himself as well as how Sarah got into to ministry. We know that stories are significant for uh, Christians and so it's interesting to hear other people's stories. Uh, so before we get into your specific story. Why don't you just tell us, Sarah, where, where are you now? Where are you ministering? Tell us just a little bit about your family and all that good stuff. So I um, am at Covenant Presbyterian Church in Homewood, Alabama, which is essentially just a small area of Birmingham, um, maybe a suburb, but there's, we've had some arguments recently about what a suburb is. So <laughs> that's why I'm throwing that out there. Um, and I'm married to a uh, my husband is Paul Litton. He is a middle school choir director um, at in Homewood City Schools that we also go to. Um, and then I have a five-year-old daughter and a 15-month-old. He's one. <laughs> I've stopped counting months with the second kid. Um, so we're fun. It's fun. My daughter is a way better mom than I am. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with she's you the on... one that takes care of the family. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm with you on the months thing. That, that's just too much addition mm -hmm. for me. It um, is. I'm just kind of round up, round down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but um, Sarah and I actually got to meet each other a few weeks ago at a retreat uh, that uh, Covenant Prez put on at Camp to Know Him uh, in Pisgah, Alabama. Isn't that right? Pisgah, Alabama. Y'all should all check it out. Yeah, yeah. And one thing is, what we get into Sarah's story. Um, Sarah's been at Covenant Prez for 11 years. Mm -hmm. um, I think is, it'll be about 12 in May. So, man, mm -hmm. which is awesome. Just, you know, youth workers, uh, I know there's a stat at one point where it was kind of like 16 to 18 months, I think was the life mm -hmm. expectancy for most, um, youth workers serving in a local church. So 11 years is awesome. Um, and looking forward to hearing some more specifics about your story, but why don't you just, uh, begin by telling us where you grew up and how you came to know the Lord. Um, so this is going to sound kind of boring because I grew up in Homewood, Alabama also. Um, and I grew up in the same church that I currently work for now. Um, but having been there for 12, 12, almost 12 years, I think it's been a, a different church than the one that I 
um, started in as an intern. Um, I did a summer intern as a college student. Um, I went to college actually not far away from um, about 15 minutes from um, Homewood at Birmingham Southern College. And so I volunteered with the youth group with some small groups um, and did summer internship, uh, two summer internships. Um, but I grew up at, at the at the church. Um, I was really involved in the youth ministry program. Um, but so for the most part, um, when my we got a new youth leader my senior year um, of high school, which if you are a youth pastor that starts new, you know that the 11th and 12th graders have a much harder time with you than others might, the younger students might, because um, it's our youth group. That's right. Um, <laughs> so we, you know, we got this new guy who was as loud as he was large and um, one of my favorite people now. Um, but, you know, he came in and he really kind of shifted the way that I thought about what a uh, Christian looked like and um, in a good way and a bad way. Um, and well, it was my, my, me, I was the bad way. I was thinking <laughs> the wrong way. Um, so anyways, he really, even as a senior in high school, I remember him very specifically saying, I want you to come work for me one day. Um, and to have someone that is of authority say that to you and say something affirming about, um, the potential of that being something that you're good at, um, stuck with me. Um, I, through college, I studied international studies and in Spanish, um, thinking that I was going to do missions and be an international missionary. Um, I had just a heart for missions and my brother's adopted from Romania and my dad has taken us on multiple missions, uh, short-term mission trips. And so through college, I kind of thought that's where things were going. Um, and doing a summer, one summer internship at Covenant, um, things started to kind of change. And then living in Peru for two months um, as a junior in college, being I realized I was not being called <laughs> to long-term missions, um, which is not actually very fun to learn. You're not being called to somewhere that you think you're being called. Um, but at the same time, it was really uh, a, a really formative time for me. Um, and one of the weekends, and this was not what normally happened, um, we hosted a group of youth from the States. Uh, I would happen to work with a different ministry than the one that I was really there to work with. And, um, we got to work with this group of youth students and I was like, this, this is where I'm thriving. Um, and so whether that meant like, maybe that meant that my heart for missions doesn't stop. It just means that having students participate, um, with me and going overseas or going to another place or whatever. Sarah, it's good to hear, you know, that aspect of your story and kind of going back a little bit to uh, your youth ministry experience. You know, it's funny as you start to serve in youth ministry. I mean, we obviously don't believe in karma, but sometimes mm -hmm. think, <laughs> I'm, paying, I'm paying for what I did to my former youth worker. Mm -hmm. um, but just, yeah, thinking back to what kind of a student you were now that you are in youth ministry and just uh, kind of thinking back to how you were in youth group. And, you know, it seems like from part of your story that there was some leadership um, that you, you displayed, but kind of junior high through senior high, what, what kind of a, a student were you in youth ministry? Um, so I, I think 
part of my story is just that I grew up in the church and I don't think that I've known a day without knowing the Lord, which is an incredible thing. Um, and then middle school though, is when I would attest to it becoming real and like something that I could take ownership of. And, um, our, our youth ministry starts in seventh grade. So in sixth grade, you're still in children's ministry. But, um, so I think that, having known the Lord my whole life and growing up in the church um, definitely is a really excellent thing. And then also um, made me a giant Pharisee in so many ways. Um, I recently uh, wrote a blog post for rooted and described myself as like, it would be an SNL skit worthy of how youth groupy I was. Um, I mean, I did all the things that if you were to be like, this is the girl that is the not that cool youth group girl, that would have been me. Um, I did all the dress up things. I did all, all the things. I remember in junior high, I got about a hundred or maybe more copies of the flyer for the junior high beach trip and just passed it out at school. <laughs> um, so all that to say, I love some youth group. Um, and it's a little embarrassing now. Um, but those, I do think that a lot of my involvement ended up, uh, our, the way that our church um, is uh, located, we're kind of in the middle of about three different areas. So I ended up having friends from three or four different schools. Um, it's one of the things that we love the most about our youth ministry is it really allows for uh, our youth group to be a place of refuge because you get to get away from your school friends. Um, and so I had that same experience as a high school student. My small group of girls was um, that, I, that I was involved with had girls from at least four different schools, if not more than that. Um, so I will say that was a really incredible thing for me to be able to kind of have church and youth and to be a place of refueling so that I could go back into my schools and um, be a part of other relationships that might not have been as encouraging. Um, but back to, I was also very legalistic. Um, I act, I literally carried my Bible outside of my backpack, which I'm sad to be saying on a, something that's going out on social media. Um, <laughs> But I was a legalist to the nth degree. Um, I think I think that was kind of a little bit of the trend that was happening in youth ministry at the time also was, um, you know, passing out flyers during Sunday school with a list of Christian songs that are like the secular songs that you shouldn't listen to. Um, and so, and I also think I'm slightly competitive. Um, and by slightly, I mean real competitive. Um, so I think being perfect was just a way of me winning. Um, and so as a student, um, that has grown up in the church and there is a, a feeling of, I've got to be good enough. Um, I've got to keep this. I've got, yes, Jesus loves me and I get that, but now I've got to like, make sure he keeps loving me. Um, so I think that that was part of, um, just wanting to be the good girl and not necessarily being good. It didn't really matter if I was good on the inside. Um, it's just that I wanted my other people to see that I was this good Christian girl. Um, and praise the Lord. I did not have Instagram at that time because 
otherwise, um, I would have posted a picture of me reading the Bible every morning, even though I probably wasn't actually reading it. Um, people would have thought, you know, how, how Republican I was, even though I didn't know anything about what that meant. Um, and so I did, though, have experiences through high school where, um, you know, I was really mean to people and, ju- you know, judgmental um, in in an outward way, not in a thinking about it way. Um, and I hurt a lot of people through that, which um, was a way of the Lord really sanctifying me and um, just through people that believers and non-believers that approached me about the way that they felt um, when I would say the things that I would say um, or just when people stop trusting you and they don't want to have conversations with you anymore, you kind of figure out pretty quickly that you got to change the way that you're communicating to others. Um, so all that to say, I think I went to, after I graduated high school, which I loved high school and I did have friends. Like, I just want everybody to know that <laughs> I had friends. <laughs> I had a fun time. I wasn't just mean and walking around all the time. Um, but I, I think through high school is really when the Lord was working on um, what it looked, what, that it was not about me and it was not about um, the good things that I had to bring to the table, but it was about him. And so um, that was definitely uh, the beginning of under, an understanding of what grace based ministry looked like. Um, so then when I went to college, uh, I went to a liberal arts school that was very, very liberal um, as far as just any kind of social issue that you can think of. And, um, so it was a really hard place at a lot, a lot of times. Um, but also is a place where you learned pretty quickly that, um, coming back at someone with facts and information that you thought was better than theirs didn't really work. Um, and that listening is one of the things that, um, was way more helpful and a way better conversation starter, um, and I'll also say that while I was in college, I led a small group of girls who were the worst and they know who they are if they're listening to this. Um, and we're friends now cause I'm only like three years older than them. Um, but they really were helpful in, um, teenagers just are going to tell you how they feel about most things, um, and whether they say it out loud or they just stop hanging out with you, um, they it is it is one of the great things about being able to work with students is that um, you can't really get away with much. And if you're not real and honest about the things that are hard and the things that you struggle with, then they're not going to um, give you the time of day. Um, so all those things through high school and um, college and then and, and really just doing youth ministry, I think even as a volunteer um, has continued to help shape the way that I think about um, talking to my neighbor and talking to other people around me. So now Sarah, that's really good. And, and, you know, as you're beating yourself up over being a legalist and carrying your (laughs) Bible. And I mean, I've said so many times, thank the Lord that I did not have social media when I was in junior high in high school. Um, But, but so much of that resonates um, with with me and, and, and others, just that kind of legalistic bent that we all seem to deal with in, in one 
way, shape, or form. And so just thinking about that, and as you're saying, yes, you did have friends, but you you had (laughs) maybe a a harsh edge to you. And then also hearing how you had a new uh, youth worker come in your senior year. Uh, What do you think it was that... um, made him approach you to, to say, Hey, I want you to come work for me. If you were kind of territorial. And again, I get that completely. I was like that with other uh, people in, in ministry that I dealt with, but if you were kind of territorial and kind of, you know, had this harshness to you, what, wh- why do you think this guy pursued you and uh, wanted you to eventually come and work for him? You know, I don't know if I'd even know the answer to that. Um, I was definitely, um, I just, I, I still enjoyed youth, youth group and I started to kind of form more of a relationship with him than, um, some of my other friends necessarily did just, they kind of kept him more at an arm's length. Um, and I think a lot of the things that he would talk about, um, I remember him sharing kind of his story of growing up and, He said, I remember him saying that he just was, and and this is true of all of us, but he would talk about how, um, just what a rebellious personality that he had. Um, and he actually ended up going to, he was in a public school that was a pretty hard public school. And I remember him saying if he had grown up in a Christian school, then he would have been wild. But since he grew up in a public school, he felt like he rebelled the opposite direction. Um, And I just kept thinking about, I think I just really resonated with him being willing to say, um, like, my bent is sin. My bent is to run after these things. Whereas I kind of was in a state of mind that um, I could, I was good. Like, I could do all the things um, necessary to be a good girl. Um, And that, that didn't really have that much to do with the Lord. It had just more to do with what are the things that I, what am I bringing to the table? How am I offering these good deeds? Um, and so to hear someone say that they would have been wild if they had gone to a Christian school, um, just kind of gave me more of a reality of, um, what does it look like to really follow the Lord? Um, yeah, that, that's, that's good. And, and kind of, I know you, you hit on this as well, but, but thinking, more specifically about when you really began considering, you know, full-time ministry. I know you, you were <laughs> seemed to be, I mean, fairly outgoing, passing out flyers for retreats mm-hmm. and um, thinking about being a missionary early on. I mean, can, can you kind of help us think through that, that part of your story of what, when did you first think, you know, I want to be in ministry full-time in some way, shape or form? Um, I really, uh, I am really extroverted and, um, really just enjoyed building relationships with other people. Um, I I feel like I've been a little too self-deprecating to think that I was like this bully that was walking around. Um, (laughs) I think that's what I perceive myself as now. Um, but I, I was very relational and enjoyed being with other people. Um, other people just give me energy and, um, just enjoyed that aspect of high school and beyond. And I, and I do remember even in some of my high school classes and, um, people would confide in me, um, that were not necessarily my good friends. They would just kind of be people that were in my class and, um, they would tell me things that were personal and, um, 
for no real reason. I mean, there wasn't anything that I was kind of doing other than maybe just sitting and listening. Um, I, I just feel like people would talk to me and people would say things. Um, and so through that and then, uh, doing a couple of short term mission trips and really just enjoying the, uh, getting to pursue and run after people I didn't even know. And, and most of the time didn't even speak the same language as them. Um, I think just really, uh, just, I think trying to think of the word, just uh, confirmed a calling towards people and relationships. And so, um, no, that's that's good. Um, also thinking back, how you said uh, you realized quickly that you did not want to do uh, missions uh, when you were was it Peru? Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Yes. What, what was it about that that um, experience when you got to do that where you realized, okay, this is not the area uh, of the kingdom that the Lord's calling me to? Um, you know, part of it was. I I had really different expectations um, because I had done short-term trips and, you know, you go on a short-term trip um, and you're just like full energy, two weeks, you're doing all this stuff and um, going hard and then you leave Um, and you leave with this feeling of like, that was so great. Um, I want to go back tomorrow. Um, and so when you're there for an extended period of time, you realize, oh, when you're a missionary, like you live here, you do your laundry, you live your regular life and go to the grocery store. And um, you just kind of it's just a was just a shift in my understanding. And it also has helped me really appreciate the way that um, the, the way that God has called people to that um, and call people to be full-time missionaries, um, and just living in a place that is not familiar necessarily. Um, so anyways, I think really part of it was just the experience of this is not necessarily what I was thinking it was going to be. Um, and then also having that experience with students, um, was really where I started to think more about my heart for youth, um, specifically and, uh, and, and being able to engage youth in missions, um, and being able to get, come alongside youth, uh, to participate in missions was kind of where I feel like the Lord was just growing me in that time in Peru. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, sometimes, yeah, we can have this picture of what ministry is going to look like and we forget some of the, the kind of mundane details, you know, of everyday <laughs> life. Um, and of course, as we both know, I mean, there's definitely, missionaries who are sent but then missionaries you know who are staying and you know we see youth ministry as a mission field for sure yes. and um so that's that's yeah awesome to to hear just how, how the lord made that clear to you as you said that can be a painful thing for sure when the lord reveals uh, what we're not uh, but that can be a very good and clarifying thing and so you know now that you are in full-time ministry and, and as we've said you, you've been at this church, you said it'll be 12 years in May. Is that correct? Yes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, right right mm-hmm. around the corner on 12 years. Um, and you've kind of seen behind the scenes of the church. Um, what are some thoughts you have just about, the, you know, the behind the scenes of the church of how, uh, you know, you thought about youth ministry kind of on the outside looking in and now that you're doing youth ministry, just kind of how your thoughts have changed um, as well as just, you know, those who have influenced you and how it's helped you to appreciate them. Yeah, I, um, I kind of am thinking about it too in the similar way that uh, I experienced 
long-term mission trip, even though I was just there for two months. But, um, you know, you, you can have an expectation as a summer intern, even coming into full-time ministry and thinking, oh, I'm just going to be going on trips all the time and just having fun and all these kinds of things. And then realizing there are the mundane, like expense reports and (laughs) boring things that you don't really want to be doing. Um, and so I think coming into, it's hard to remember since I am a mother to anything, but, um, yeah, the, the memory, re- the memory kind of goes out the window with, with each child, I think. Yeah. just everyone. Yeah. So I, um, I remember after go, wanting to enter in as full time. So I did a summer internship that turned into a two year internship that turned into a director, um, position, um, And then I also have been the interim youth director for a period of time as well. And now I'm the girls ministry director. Um, Through that time, we've had um, the founding pastor of our church retired, retired. And then um, we had another pastor in between that for a few years. And now we have an interim pastor. Um, So all that to say, I feel like I've, I have been at covenant specifically for 12 years, but I've been on, a different pastoral staff and a different youth staff um, over those past few years. So it almost feels like I've worked at a few different churches in a lot of ways. Um, So I would say that initially I think, um, and I think this is true for many people that are first coming into youth ministry. There is a feeling of, I've got to have a conversation about Jesus every single time that I meet with a student and um, how can I figure out a way <laughs> to get Jesus into my Panera bagel? Um, <laughs> and, you know, that's just not the reality of what building a relationship looks like. And it's not really the reality of what a teenager wants to do every time that they meet with you. Um, and of course, those relationships um, grow and those relationships co- can come to a place where those conversations are natural and normal. Um, but for the most part, you are just talking about, you know, the boy that they broke up with or the friendship that they got, in a, you know, the friends that are in a fight. Um, for the most part, you're really just entering into their everyday lives so that you build up um, a relationship with them and, and um, that you become a refuge for them. Um, so I would say especially having started, there was a lot of pressure. And I think that that ends up being what um, a lot of people end up feeling in youth ministry is if I'm not having these constant conversations all the time about um, the sin that's going on in their lives and how Jesus can enter into those things um, as very explicitly, then I'm failing in some way. Um, So that's really easy to get burned out on because teenagers are experiencing really hard things Mm -hmm. all of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Their emotions are happening every four minutes. So, um, and changing every four minutes. So it is really, that can be a really burdensome thing. If you're entering in thinking I've got to do, I've got to be the one that they reach out to all the time Um, can be really exhausting. So I would say um, I've worked with some really great uh, people have worked with some really uh, great people that have really influenced and given a lot of wisdom to me through the years. Um, I'm on a planning team for a 
youth ministry um, encouragement network called the Barnabas Connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly can say that the people that are on that planning team are some of the people that have really kept me in ministry um, through a lot of really hard parts of being in ministry. Yeah. And so I was going to say, Sarah, yeah. why, why don't you um, just give us a brief you know, snippet, snippet of, okay, what is the Barnabas Connection? Just to let people know out there what it is. Yes. So the Barnabas um, connection I have been a part of pretty much since I was on staff, but I got I'm just excited to be on the planning team. Um, But the idea of the Barnabas connection is that it connects youth leaders um, equipping. It's we really want to equip um, youth leaders to navigate um, the challenges of youth ministry for the long haul. Um, And so as you kind of mentioned in the beginning of um, how short a lot of times youth ministry positions end up being very short term. Um, and it's, it's really no wonder with the, the amount of things that our teenagers are dealing with and struggling through um, for us to have that burden alone um, can be really life sucking <laughs> um, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea of the Barnabas Connection is just to have a time of networking and um, encouragement and equipping um, so that when you are in a position where you're like, I don't know what is going on with this person or this student or this ministry or my staff or whatever, um, you just have someone that understands what's going on. Um, I, and I also just think youth ministry is just a particular animal. It's a unique um, part of the church. It's a unique ministry in general. Um, it's not like adult ministry. Um, it's not even like children's ministry, although, um, children's ministry is also one of the, the most formative times for so many of our students who come into our ministry. Um, and so it's just a different animal. So to be able to be with other people where you don't really have to explain what, why you're doing what you're doing, uh, is really helpful. Um, just even just to say, you know, there I have friends just in my own everyday life that are like, I don't understand your job. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't either, but it's super fun. <laughs> um, so anyways, to be around other people, you really just don't have to explain yourself um, is really helpful just for growing in that. Yeah. And, and those points of connection are vital. You know, I went to the Barnabas Connection years ago, you know, RYM. We have youth leader training and then even... Mm-hmm in my specific context in Jackson, Mississippi, I get together frequently with other youth workers from other churches. And I just think that those, that's vital for youth workers, because like you said, I mean, this is such a, you know, unique animal we're dealing with. And, uh, you know, the, the burnout does seem to, I mean, it, it seems like, you know, youth workers can burn out quickly, but it does seem like we are seeing longer, you know, tenured youth workers uh, remaining, which is, is encouraging. Um, mm-hmm. but, but it's, it's definitely tough for sure. And you're dealing with a, a tough age group or a lot of changes are going on and you're getting pressure from parents and pressure from ministry staff. And you can often as a youth worker feel somewhat alone and isolated. Um, so those, you know, um, points of community are, are vital uh, for the youth worker um, for sure. Um, I wanted to ask you just, you know, we're kind of highlighting some of the negative and some of the challenges of youth ministry. Of course, that's going to be there. Um, any ministry is, is always going to have somewhat of a challenge. 
Um, but, but what is it that you enjoy about youth ministry? You know, what, what was it, you know, as you said, you were, you know, serving alongside students and you began to see, you know what, I want to, I want to serve in youth ministry. I want to bring students along with me to do missions. I know that could be an aspect of it, but give us some more specifics of what you enjoy about doing in youth ministry. Um, I love teenagers, first of all. Um, I just think they are just at a place in their lives, you know, starting as a most in our ministry, they start as they come as sixth graders for just for small groups. And then they're with us through 12th grade. Um, but I just feel like a seventh grade kid is the best. Um, (laughs) and just, they are at a place in their life where they're figuring out who they are. Um, and so it's just fun to watch. It's fun to see, the Lord working in that. And then also just the Lord working in their gifts and the Lord working in their personality. And, um, they're just fun and they do funny things. And they, I mean, I always joke that I just wanted to stay a teenager and that's why I'm still at the, in youth group. Um, but there's just, uh, something about a teenage student and the things that, you know, just remembering even myself being a teenager, you just, feel really big. Everything that you feel is big. Um, and so you either, you know, and that can be in a negative way. You, when you, when you cry, you know, when you, when you fall, you fall hard. Um, but that also just means you get to like, I mean, when you have a crush, it's like the greatest thing ever. Um, or if you have a favorite thing, it is the best thing ever. And there's something just really refreshing and fun about, um, that being part of your life is that you get to just be in a place in your life where you get to really feel the highs of what, um, what God has put on this earth. And so, um, and you don't get to experience that again after your, whatever happens in your brain, you know, (laughs) close it. (laughs) Um, you just don't get to experience that in the same way after you're 25. And so, um, there is something really great about that. And I think also that just points to me um, because of how influenced um, you are as a teenager and as an adult, but mainly as a teenager by your emotions. Um, I think that's why I feel so so passionate about um, youth ministry is that this is a like prime time place to enter in for the gospel to enter in um, and for for teenagers to be able to see Christians that are older than them, um, that love Jesus and still do really fun things, um, is I think just helpful to know that your life doesn't have to be boring. And as an adult and, you know, no offense to accountants, but you know, (laughs) in accounting, um, I just think that is so helpful for them to be able to see what does it look when it, when I, come into a relationship with the Lord, there's joy in that and there's fun in that. And it's not, um, it's not drudgery and me being obedient to him is actually way more life giving. So yeah, I don't know. Thanks. No, that that's, that's good. I, I do want to say, I mean, we have a lot of accountants that tune into the show, so you just offended them. Sorry. Um, Sorry, yes. y'all. <laughs> I had, we, we just lost an intern last year that should that should be still in youth ministry so if you're listening you should still be in youth ministry and he's doing accounting and <laughs> hating yes. his life right now. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, which I do have to say, you might be the first person to ever say, I wish I could be a teenager the rest of my life <laughs> as well. Um, okay, well, the, the fun parts of it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. No, but it is. And, and I mean, it's great to hear that perspective because so often, I mean, we just say the word, you know, teenager, we think of the teenage years and it's just all the thoughts of just awkwardness and discomfort and change. And, you know, parents thinking of the painful conversations they have to have, we can so quickly focus on the negative, but as you highlighted, there's something so refreshing about being around, you know, junior hires specifically. I remember, I mean, as we, you know, think about the youth group that I was a part of at Pear Orchard, we broke our Sunday school into seventh uh, and eighth grade and then ninth and 10th grade and 11th and 12th graders. And somebody would ask me, what's your favorite group to teach? And it was always hard for me to answer that because they all had unique characteristics that mm-hmm. were, were fun about them. But, but one of the you know aspects of junior hires is just that they're still in that they're, they're not as self-aware and they're just r- refreshing, fun, funny to be around. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's helpful just to keep that, perspective and to remind us, you know, that we can so quickly focus on the negative and let's, let's look at the joy of this phase of life and appreciate it, um, for sure. So that's, that's awesome to hear that. Um, and just a good reminder uh, for those who are, who are listening and may be a little tired of dealing with junior Mm -hmm. hires that there's, there's joy for sure. Um, and so Sarah, look with, with your years, both being in, a youth ministry, uh, actively in youth ministry now, um, many years serving at Covenant Perez. You know, every youth group has that one story or that one trip or inside joke or prank uh, that, that everyone kind of remembers and talks about. And I thought this is a, a fun question for us to get people to think about and, and to share. Is there a story or a few stories that kind of come to mind when you think of, you know, this game was a disaster or this trip was a disaster and you can laugh about it now. Any stories like that that come to mind? So I was trying, I was then thinking about that question and just, um, well, all my, I feel like all the summers that I was in youth ministry have all run together in so many ways. But, um, I, there was a summer, um, that was the worst. And, um, we had gone on a trip to uh, the mountains. This was early in my ministry, so it's a wonder that I'm still doing this. Um, and we stay. The girls ended up staying in a smaller cabin that was not exactly. I think it was on a, a, a sump pump or whatever you call it. Oh, right. um, and the boys' cabin was this like lush mansion because <laughs> my old boss, you know, was a little bit. Um, he just, he wanted his things. So anyways, um, we, so the guys stayed in this really nice cabin with the girls. There are more girls than there were guys and we were shoved into this smaller cabin and all that to say, a few of us were trying to make light of the situation and we were like, we'll just sleep in tents outside. And so we set up some tents outside and that is when the, the phrase, the tent of terror, um, <laughs> entered in and, um, my old, the, my old, one of my best friends now, and she's a, in St. Louis, Emily Hinch will, um, know all of these stories, but, um, she worked with me and she was the girls ministry director at this time. And so we're, we're in the tents. We have two other girls staying in the tents with us. Um, one girl is in one tent and then three of us are in another one. 
So then all of a sudden we hear some rustling in the woods and some grunting. <laughs> and we are like, okay, we, we did have cell phones at the time. So we call up, call one of the leaders that's up in the cabin in the, we're just like in the front yard of the cabin, but we're a little bit further down a hill. So we call them and we're like, can y'all take a flashlight outside and just look and see what's going on? Is it a deer? Is it an animal? So they are yelling from the front porch and they say, I see blue jeans. So then we are like, we are about to be taken away by a mountain man in the woods. That was what we initially were thinking. Um, and we we're on zero sleep because the, we've been, we we're sleeping outside in a tent and um, didn't want to be doing that anyways and sharing one bathroom with 30 girls and all those kinds of things. So we're just oh not generally, we're just not generally happy campers right now. <laughs> Um, no pun intended there. So we, um, anyways, they're like blue jeans. So we're thinking we're about, we're about to, this is it. This is the end. Um, we had some of our girls that were just more, they cut, they had seen some of our guys from the other cabin, um, in the front yard. So they knew that it was a, one of people with us, but we inside the tents did not know it was people with us. Um, and so they came charging down the mountain, yelling at the boys, and everything kind of exploded from there. But uh, I will say that my old boss, um, that although that he had some other shortcomings, um, he r- ripped those boys in half uh, <laughs> on our behalf. And so, you know, we always can appreciate that. But the tent of terror is one that um, I will never forget. Oh, we'll yeah. never forget. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and what what was the weather like? I mean, y'all were sitting in tents or staying in tents. What was this cold, hot? It was it was summertime, but uh, it was in the mountains, so it was okay. okay. But I mean, it just generally was not a great sleeping situation. Yeah. Um, but it was. It's a story that all of us are united over now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny how that happens. Of you know, whether it's a, a youth. Event. I mean, I can think of, you know, some of the youth trips that I took or family vacations that oftentimes it's, it's the horrible, the scary, yes. the disaster <laughs> that, that come to the top. And it's like in the moment that wasn't that great. But now it's the one thing we continue to think about. Um, oh, yeah. The girl, the girls really banded together that night, too. So it was kind of it was helpful. A, a just, unifying moment. You know? Yes. Just <laughs> on our behalf was not that great. <laughs> Um, so look, Sarah, whatever job we're in, you know, people often can step back and question the career path that they're on. Um, and that can be, you know, a good thing for sure. And a healthy thing for sure. Um, what are some other possible professions uh, that you've thought about pursuing at, at various times in your life? This can be, you know, ministry related professions as well as those outside of the ministry. Have you had any other uh, professions you've considered? You know, I, I think there are, um, well, of course, with ebbs and flows of the good times and the bad times, you think in the bad times, okay, I need out of this. Um, and, but at the same time, I do have always felt called just to teenagers. Um, I do think that there are times where I'm envious of those that have a nine to five and then they're finished with their day and they don't have to think about work anymore (laughs) for the rest of the day. I'm like, maybe I just need an office job where I just, you know, I'm done when I'm done yeah. because when you're in, in any kind of ministry, you, you really, it's really hard to kind of turn off, um, 
and be off the clock. And so uh, I definitely would say just if you're in that position, it just know that that's a normal thing to feel of like, I'm just tired. And so I wish I could just do a job where, um, I was finished with the day. Um, and, and, but then I go just back to just, I really, as I think about, especially how long I've been at one church, um, I know that it's the Lord that's called me there. And I know that even in the moments of, um, not having, of it being not that fun and not that, um, and really not that fulfilling sometimes. Um, it is the Lord that calls us to these positions. So all that to say, I think, um, I really think the Lord has called me to teenagers for the long call and not necessarily in a church and not necessarily, um, specifically in a youth ministry position. So, um, I have thought about counseling and I've thought about some other things like that, but, with counseling, I think I would just really miss the ability to have um, kind of unhindered relationships mm-hmm. when you're in youth ministry. You're really able to enter into places and um, that you that kind of you have to be you have to be protected of when you're an actual counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, yeah, I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, I'm 33 years old, and I mean, I could be doing this when I'm 50, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it might that uh, might be crazy. So all that to say, I, I really do feel like the Lord has called me to um, teenagers in some capacity. Uh, so if you got any other ideas for what that is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're yeah processing it right for sure. And I mean, anyone seeing you in front of students, which I got to, to see at that retreat, I mean, definitely gifted for that type of thing. And not everybody is. I mean, that's something you know, what's interesting is, is thinking about how often people who are in the ministry tend towards being more of an introvert instead of an extrovert. Mm-hmm. I know they're, they're going to be both for sure. Um, but, but seeing those two, as you said, the kind of ebbs and flows of, of ministry uh, that, you know, there are going to be those times. It seems like for me, I'm thinking, you know, the fall retreat that I took with our students, that was always one of my favorite trip with our students, but almost every fall retreat, I would think, can I keep doing this? Do do I have the energy to do this? And usually it would be like, John, you're exhausted right now. And that's why you're thinking about these, you know, things. And so, you know, I think it is, it's, it's good and it's normal and it doesn't, you know, just for those listening out there as they're, they're doubting it just to, to know that that's a normal thing. And it's a good thing to kind of think about and reflect upon. Um, but to just, know that there are going to be those seasons of ministry that might be more of a challenge and, um, you know, endurance and long suffering and being steadfast. And that, that call is, is definitely admirable for sure. And, you know, should be, uh, encouraged, you know, especially as we've said uh, in youth ministry, just that, you know, consistency for youth, I think is so uh, mm-hmm. important because there's so much that's not consistent <laughs> in the teenage mm-hmm. years, you know, um, so look, uh, Sarah, uh, something else what we've asked some people and we know that, that nobody knows the future. Um, and again, we've kind of touched on this just a little bit, but do you have an idea of just, you know, h- how much longer you, you, you think you'll be serving in youth ministry? Again, you've said, and in, in some ways you feel for life that could be in, you know, inside the church and the capacity serving as a, as a youth worker for life. It could be counseling and uh you know you talked about uh, you'd miss the kind of relational component in in counseling but um do you have any ideas uh, of just uh thoughts there of of kind of thinking about the future um 
I really honestly don't. Um, I do, once again, really feel like the Lord has called me to teenagers. Um, I do think that as I think through the things that I love more now than now that I have been doing this for a while is really wanting to see um, more people coming into youth ministry. Um, we're, we were discussing the other day with a few other youth workers that you know the the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. There's there are a lot of jobs um, available right now in youth ministry, and there are just not a lot of people entering. Um, not just for you know, I think there is a conversation that happens a lot where um, youth ministry can tend to be a stepping stone for a pastor for you know to be a real pastor um, and to be in real ministry. Um, and so I. I do see the Lord also um, bringing me to a place of wanting to help train other youth leaders, um, get other people excited about this call and get other people excited about these people that, um, you know, teenagers, I just, I can't say enough about the need for um, teenage students to have adults in their life um, that are coming alongside their parents Um being another voice, being another person that is saying what you believe is true and what what the things that are happening around you are going to make you feel like it's not. Um, And so to have more than one voice that's not your parent, because we all know that as a teenager, your parents know nothing. Um, Even if your youth leader is saying the exact same sentence your youth leader, your parents are saying. um, That is why I feel so passionate about their being youth ministries um, in churches, um, these are going to be the students that um, are one day hopefully serving in a church. And so um, I, th- I think about a lot, you know, just a silly example of um, unlearning things. I, I, it's really hard. You know, if I, if I re- think about a song that I know that I've, you know, guess the lyrics on, but that's the way that I sing it every single time. Um, and then it comes on when someone tells me what the real lyrics are, it's still really hard for me to go back to what the real lyrics are. Um, and so just thinking about that, um, you know, it's hard to unlearn something. And so if we are now speaking truth into students' lives, um, as teenagers to help them so that they don't have to unlearn the things, um, that are not true about themselves as teenage students, um, in high school and in junior high, um, and in college, um, then, you know, we're really, we're really doing a disservice to church, um, as it grows. And so, um, so training youth leaders maybe is in my future. I don't know, but I don't know what that looks like either. That's, that's awesome. And just amen to everything you said, uh, something else. I know we're going to wrap up pretty soon. Um, but just, you know, as you, you just since this call to and, and passion to, you know, reach the next generation and give time to the next generation. And uh, you're thinking of, you know, being around teenagers somewhat long term. Uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, now that you you're a mother of two, um, how has that shifted your perspective on teenagers as well as, you know, the the youth viewing you as a mother now and them kind of getting to interact with you and they see you of uh, you know, wow, getting to watch you, you know, raise your own children in, in your house. Just give me some, some thoughts, some perspective there. Yeah. Um, I have really loved, um, 
especially, you know, my, my youngest is one, so he's just runs around and he's a boy too. So, um, but being able to see my daughter in the way that, um, that, I mean, teenagers really, um, love kids so well. I mean, that's why you want them to be your VBS volunteers and, um, and they have the energy to do it. Um, but (laughs) I think that, uh, it's one. I really think that it's an exciting thing to see how my daughter is being kind of shaped by her being able to be in relationship with these older girls. Um, and you know, she just, there have been, there have been times where I've had to have conversations about things earlier than I would have liked to have conversations mm-hmm. about things. Um, and that are not necessarily fun conversations that you want to, since you're a teenager, just introduce your daughter to something that is, you know, not something a five-year-old needs to know about. Um, but it's a, it actually is a helpful thing that, you know, I feel like one of the things that we talk about a lot, especially in our um, culture today, where you can get any information so quickly, um, it's why when 13 Reasons Why I came out, you know, everyone started freaking out because all the teenagers had watched it before adults could even knew that it was something that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is kind of helpful to already be having conversations with my daughter um, about things that she overhears, um, whether, and then, you know, I have, I'm, and now I have to be a lot more careful about bringing her to a one-on-one um, coffee or something mm-hmm. like that, because she's going to go tell everybody that so-and-so got drunk this weekend. <laughs> but um but it is just really cool to be able to say, um, you know, these are crazy people, but I love them. And, um, and they have done so much just for her maturity and just loving her and loving her so well. And so, um, I think a lot of times they forget that I'm a mom, um, just because I'm noxious, but, um, just generally, I think it's just been such a fruitful thing for, our family to be able, I mean, and my husband is a middle school teacher. So, um, so she doesn't really escape middle schoolers, um, <laughs> when it comes to both of our jobs. So, yeah. man. well, that, that's awesome. And again, just, yeah, thanking you for the perspective, uh, that you're giving me and, and those listening of the, the joy, uh, to serve alongside, um, teenagers that again, it's, it's so, just our sinful nature to kind of look at the negative, to, to focus on the negative, but to see the, the opportunity and the joy. Um, it's awesome uh, to hear that. Uh, so Sarah, look, as we're, as we're closing this out, um, we, we always want to ask just a resource recommendation uh, from you. And I'm actually, I'm going to force you to give us one resource recommendation and that's your article at Rooted. What, what was the title of your article? Oh, I'm gonna have to like look it up. <laughs> Sorry, I put, um, put you on the spot there, but but yeah, oh. it, it could be an article, it could be a book, it could be a podcast, it could be a sermon, whatever. If there's something out there um, that you would like to recommend, and I'm kind of buying time for you to look up that article. Yeah, um, I'm I'm looking <laughs> it right now. Um, well, I I will say that um, I have a lot of recommendations for reading and resources and things like that. Um, but uh, it's called ministering to teenagers changed my understanding of the gospel. Okay. And that's at rooted doc rooted ministries. Is that it? Rooted yeah. Rooted ministry.com. Yeah. Um, one of the books that I have, um, been reading is called inventing ourselves. This is not a 
Christian author. Um, but it's called Inventing Ourselves, The Secret Life of the Teenage Brain. Um, and it, and it, it is a book that has been uh, really helpful. Um, by, it's by Sarah, Sarah Jane Blakemore. Um, and then another book, especially for people that work in uh, more privileged areas, like like where I am positioned, um, The Price of Privilege is another great insight um, into how to minister to those that are in the upper class um, and how that affects the way that they grow as teenagers, how that affects the way they see themselves, others. Um, it's an, it is an excellent resource. Um, that's, that's good. And so, um, inventing ourselves, was that the first one? Inventing ourselves. Yes. And then the price of privilege. All right. Those are both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. Mm -hmm. Thanks for, uh, sharing those. And, and Sarah, thanks so much for taking time out to, to share your story uh, with us to be you know vulnerable as well and to share the, the good and the bad and um, especially again as you've got two children at home that you're trying to take care of and um, yeah I know moments of quiet are, are rare in my household and so um, <laughs> to, to sacrifice that to come on the podcast is, is very helpful um, so thanks so much Sarah thank you and, and thanks to all those who, who tuned in again on this season three. We're doing a longer format. We hope that you enjoy this. If you look at the show notes, we're going to have uh, the time stamps to this uh, interview. And so you can go back and forth through the interview uh, a little more easily that way. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. And also check out Parenting Today as well as the student podcast. Thanks a lot. Have a good day. Oh, come and buy without money. Oh, come and feast without